Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is going on, hockey fans? And welcome back to... Man, I don't know what day it is. It's Thursday. Uh, Thursday's Stochastic NHL Strategy Show. January is the worst month of the year. Like, it just is. Uh, but yeah, here we are. And uh, I, you know what? I got a couple of comments on my Twitter since I got the Stutzla jersey. The uh, Sens have been atrocious. It, it's been before I got the jersey, all right? It's been <laughs> adult season. It's a sweet jersey. Let it hang. We, like, I don't want to put the Callahan jersey back up. But anyway, joining me, as always, Slim Cliffy, donning the Blues jersey could be some foreshadowing uh, for later tonight. How are you doing today? Oh, doing pretty good. Um, now that we're past the holidays, I'm starting to get a grip on what day it is, like like a little bit better, especially with like the, you know, 13 games one day to the next, 13 games, like then you know it's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. But uh, no, doing well. Um, I was telling you before the show, one of my New Year's resolutions was to stop watching the Washington Capitals. So didn't watch any of the early game last night. Went to a movie instead, did a, did catch the Anaheim Toronto game. Lucas Dostal, like, I don't know. Like, I, I know he he's definitely had an up and down, let's say, start to his career, but it's not like he's necessarily been in the best environment for stability to start his career either. Uh, but he looked really, really good last night. Um, pretty excited uh, about the slate we have here tonight because there's no NFL football. So there's some pretty big contests on DK, the running back. Uh, $20, uh, 100K prize pool, 20K to first. They have the $5, uh, 150 max as well. They have the $4, 20 max that they that they usually run on top. Um, so there's a bunch of uh, pretty good contests, no matter the prize point, because of no NFL. So uh, with the NFL gone, looks like they're going to give NHL um, a bigger platform for now. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um well, I'm not holding my breath, but, uh, you know, so far so good. Uh, and lots of interesting games here tonight, considering there's some lopsided matchups and there's also like, there's a lot of road teams that I'm, I'm actually looking towards. And I was looking at the ownership for top stacks. We'll talk about it later. Like I know it's a big slate, but so it looks like there's only going to be a handful of lines that are going to get close to 10% here tonight. Nothing, you know, no, you know, Colorado won at 26% at home to San Jose or anything like that. So, um should be a fairly wide open slate as far as as picking lines and picking players and, and things like that go and i like those kinds of slates yeah i like this slate too and uh we've been uh drumming i guess that's not the right word we've been yelling at DraftKings about their contests finally get some decent ones fill them please so i don't look like an idiot more than i already do <laughs> but yeah 13 game slate. This should be a good one. Um, my Rangers have the biggest total on the night. Feels kind of weird. They're minus 450, but we'll get to that game when we get there. But let's get into this slate before we do. I just want to say again, thank you to all your support the past few weeks. It's been about three weeks, four weeks, four weeks now since we switched um, how we 
are getting paid. We've had good support through our affiliate link. If you want to continue that support, um, we will tweet out the affiliate link. It's in the Discord. Uh, you don't have to go premium if you don't want to, but if you are premium and you are looking to renew, please go through the affiliate link. It helps us out directly, helps us bring you more free content, which you guys love. So let's get into this slate, shall we? Pittsburgh Penguins with a 2.7 total. Heading into Boston, the Bruins have a 3.2 total. Looks like Alex Nedeljkovic rolling out for uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, Boston doesn't really confirm their goalies, but it's going to be one of Swayman or Olmark. They're both very good. I don't. I'll just say, I'll just, I'll just say quickly. It's probably going to be Swayman because they have been rotating back and forth, and Olmark went last, so I think it's going to be Swayman. Yeah. yeah. Not too much ownership on this game. You're going to hear me say that a lot. Boston one is getting a decent amount for a 13 gamer, uh, 5.3%. They have some positive leverage. The issue I have here, I don't really love the iteration of this line. Like I know they're fully correlated on the power play, but like if you look at Pasternak's numbers with and without Geeky, like Geeky is really weighing down that line offensively. Like one-offing Pasternak, Always in play. He's one of the elite players in the NHL. I just don't love the iteration of this line. So for anything on Boston, go to that second line of Marshan Coyle DeBrusque. Even at the third line, you can play it to me. I don't know if I'm going to run out to play them in uh, one to three. But, you know, this isn't the best power play spot. I know Pittsburgh sucks on their power play, but they do have a pretty good penalty kill. So I think, you know, one-offing Pasternak is fine or Boston too. On the Pittsburgh side – Pretty low road total. I don't have a ton of interest, uh, especially with you know Pittsburgh getting up. Pittsburgh one getting up above twenty thousand now. They do have some pretty good positive leverage. They're not coming in with much ownership, so I think you can get to them. The more lineups you make, I'm not going to prioritize them in one to three. That second line again, I'd much rather just play Boston two than Pitt two. So I'll, I'll def- defer to the home team in the higher total. Yeah, I I also like I don't have a ton of interest in, in full stacking. Like just to put a point on what you what you were talking about, Pastanak and Geeky, they're up to about 110 minutes together at five on five. Uh 2.5 expected goals for per 60 minutes, 2.7 actual goals for like that is just not good. Um, you know, that's basically league average. And when you have a David Pasternak line, like it's not a massive sample, but 110 minutes, like you're getting up to about like that 10 game mark, give or take. When you have a David Pasternak line, um, that's about league average by, you know, shot generation or expected goals generation, goal generation, what have you, like that's kind of tells the story. Um, and Pittsburgh's been like, we talked about it on the last show, Ricardo Kell's kind of he hasn't necessarily slowed down the Pittsburgh top line although they aren't creating as much offensively but he's making them a lot better defensively which was the big issue which is why we sometimes stacked against Pittsburgh this season was because the top line was trading chances uh, back and forth so much but with Raquel there they're up over 90 minutes uh 2.1 expected goals against per 60 1.3 actual goals against like Nadelkovic has been really good top line's been a lot better defensively I kind of agree with you I I would lean more towards Boston too, just because they are cheaper and I don't like, this isn't necessarily a great power play matchup. Um, Boston's been about league average by power play opportunities per game over the last couple months. And that's, you know, that's really not a lot. And 
you know, Pittsburgh's penalty kill has generally been good. Like, you know, we all David Pasternak one off, I think, is always perfectly fine. Like, you know, if you want a one off like like Jake Gensel or something like that, or, or you know, we'll talk about the defenseman later in the slate. I think that's okay. But um there's a handful of games out of a six total here. This is one of them. This iteration of the Boston lineup has been their best defensively. Um, you know, you and I talked a couple of weeks ago about how Boston's defensive numbers have been sliding and were fairly pedestrian for like a good month there. Uh, but since they've gone to these line combinations, um, they've really slowed down. They've really shut things down defensively a lot better. Um, this just seems like two teams that are starting to find their defensive game again. And in that kind of situation, like I just, I, I, when there's 26 teams playing, I don't think, you know, if, if there's two good defensive teams playing against each other, um, I don't think you're necessarily forced to play anything unless you're playing 150 max or something like that. So no, I don't have a lot of interest stacking either side here. Yeah. I mean, big slate. If you're the more lines you get to, the more you can get to this game. I just don't really love full stacking on this game, a game that I do have a little bit more interest in Buffalo Sabres with a 3.4 total heading into Montreal. The Canadians have a 3.1 total. You were dropping some nuggets in the Discord this morning about Montreal's penalty prowess. They've been taking a whole bunch of less penalties since Arbor Jacki went down to their minor leagues. That being said, I do like Buffalo here. Um, when they do take penalties, they're having trouble killing them. Granted, they're not giving teams as many opportunities. But, like, again, we're at this point. We were at this point a few weeks ago with Buffalo reuniting Thompson, Skinner, Tuck before Skinner got hurt. And they're 18-9, coming in with, you know, half the ownership of their top two stack percentage. And, again, like I said it on that show a few weeks ago, if this line is rolling, they are a $21,000 line. They're fully correlated on the power play. 18.9 is so cheap for them on DraftKings. Now they're probably going to see a fair bit of Suzuki, Caulfield, Slavkovsky, and that line actually has been pretty decent defensively. But, like, I, I don't fear it, So especially at that ownership. So I do like Buffalo 1. Where it gets even more interesting here, because they are taking less penalties, and it's still a very good 5-on-5 five five matchup, is the Buffalo second line, Cousins, Quinn, Paterka. They're come. They're thirteen thousand two hundred on DraftKings, and I was surprised to see how low their ownership was. I like, it's going to come up during the day, but I don't know, man. Like once you get past Suzuki, Caulfield, Slavkovskis, there's nothing there for Montreal, and this line has been good. Cousins has turned his season around. He's playing much better. Paterka has been shooting the puck all season. Jack Quinn coming back is a huge deal. He had a very good rookie season. I like Buffalo two here. I do also really like Buffalo one. Um, on the Montreal side, Montreal one is coming in almost double their ownership. Uh, like their ownership is double their top two stack percentage. I kind of get it. Like Buffalo has been a tire fire. Even in net two, like Levi hasn't been great. Now he is from the Montreal area. So who knows if you live on narrative street, yada, yada, yada. I do in a nutshell, I do like Montreal one here. It's just that ownership on a 13 game slate. I don't want to really hitch my wagon to the Canadians on a 13 game slate on an over owned line. So like don't love Montreal. If you want to play them, go ahead. But I'm more on the Buffalo side. Yeah. I, 
the thing with Montreal one is they are perfectly correlated on the power play. They're all getting fairly heavy minutes. Like Savkowski will probably get the least, but he'll probably be around the 18 minute mark. And then, you know, 19, 18, 19 for Caulfield and then over 20 for Suzuki. They've been generating a lot um, at five on five and they've started to score. And that was kind of the issue is like they were, you know, through their first handful of games together, they're over three expected goals per 60 minutes, five on five, but under two actual goals because they weren't finishing, but they are starting to finish. Those goals are coming around. I think the bigger note is for Montreal is that their top line is perfectly correlated on the power play. And since they moved Slavkovsky up there, it's actually been a pretty good power play. Like 11.6 goals per 60 minutes on the power play with a slap there. Like that's, it's not super elite. Like that's not like Edmonton or anything like that, but that's in the next tier down. Now they're doing that, I think, with shooting at about 20%, which is a little bit too high. But the thing, like if they're even if they're shooting 15%, they're still scoring like, you know, eight, eight and a half goals per 60 minutes, which is above the league average. And that's still a good power play. And the Buffalo penalty kill, like that has been bad. Like bottom 10 um over the last month, uh by shots against, bottom three, by goals against per minute. You were talking, but you were talking about. Montreal taking fewer penalties and what I like I went and updated uh penalties like power plays per game and penalties taken and all that uh once we turned over to 2024 because power, power plays go down as the season goes along like that happens every NHL season there's always a lot of power plays through like the first month and then it really dies down like on the season the average team gets 3.2 power play opportunities per game over the last two months, it's about 2.6. And that it just goes to show like how high the power play opportunities are early in the season. Over the last two months, these are two teams that are below average by power play opportunities per game. And they're both below average by time by power play opportunities given to the opponent per game. So like they aren't teams that are thriving or that are giving up um, a lot of power plays either way. But the Montreal top power play unit has genuinely been very good since they moved Slaff up there. Um, I think I agree with you. I don't want to play them at 10% on a slate this big. Like I, I if I'm going to play an over-owned line, uh, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to, this isn't going to be the one that I'm going to use. Uh, it is Buffalo that I have more interest in. Um, you're right about the Buffalo top line and they've been like, they had kind of a tough start and then, you know, the injuries came along, but like their last 60 some minutes together, they're starting to generate, um, like Buffalo did last year, Buffalo's top line, 3.4 expected goals for 60 minutes over the last 65 minutes and change. The problem is they're shooting 6.4% um, at five on five. Like once that starts to turn around, they'll be able to start filling the net. But it is the Buffalo second line I have more interest in um, just to bring up the top stacks again. There's the leverage you were talking about on the top line. But the second line doesn't have much, like 2.3%. Um, you're right about J.J. Paterka. He's been shooting a lot more this year. Dylan Cousins, he's been a lot better over the, like the last six weeks, basically since the American Thanksgiving. Um, Cousins had a rough first week, six weeks of the season. He's been a lot better over the last six. I wrote up Jack Quinn uh, in the picks article today because he's he's really cheap over on FanDuel, still pretty cheap over on DK. But the big thing is, is like with Montreal's top line off the ice, um, 25% more shots, 40% more high danger attempts against. Like that's when you get that's what you get when you're putting the Montreal second and third lines out on the ice. And those are the lines that Buffalo two is going to get. So we're, we're Montreal's not taking a ton of penalties. Like I'm not super and Buffalo's not drawing a lot. They're only drawing 2.2 power plays per game 
over the last two months, like that's nothing. Um, so where Buffalo is not really uh, drawing a lot of power plays, like I'm kind of more interested in their five on five. And, you know, that Buffalo second line has been really good since they've been reunited, out shooting the opposition 32-21 in nearly 50 minutes together. Um, they were really good offensively last season. I, I think the line that I like best in this game is Buffalo 2. If they're 2 or 3%, like I don't really care uh, on a 13-game slate. I just think they're in a really good spot, getting reasonable amounts of ice time, really soft matchup at 5-on-5. Five five. And the note that I make is Quinn's, Quinn's even getting some secondary power play time. Like they are using their second unit 35 to 40% of the time. So I don't mind uh, Buffalo 2 here. I think they're my favorite stack in this game, factoring in, you know, ownership matchup, um, you know, all that, the price and all that. Yeah, if Buffalo 1 is underpriced, Buffalo 2 is also underpriced. As we started the show, though, the Jets had some morning skate, and they uh, did some stuff to their lines. <laughs> we'll get to that game later. But the whole bonus. Chicago Blackhawks with a 2.3 total heading into Madison Square Garden. The Rangers have a whopping 4.1 total. I'll save you some time on the Hawks. I'm interested only in Bedard. And that's it. Maybe a guy or two on the blue line, but like no full stacking interest on the Chicago side. On the Rangers side, I, I think it's just going to be going right back to the Rangers too, right? Like they're just, they're just going. And they haven't stopped. And they have positive leverage. Like, Rangers 1 is fine, don't get me wrong, but they're coming in with negative leverage and Blake Wheeler's on the line. Like, I know Wheeler makes the line better, but he's just not a good DFS play at this point of his career. Um, Also, Ottman is making his NHL debut tonight. Not in the player pool. It kind of sucks, but not that I was going to play him. But I, I think, like, if you want a power play stack, like, go ahead, but, like, Rangers power play could beat anybody. Chicago's penalty kill has been sliding a little bit, but like it's still pretty good. Again, Rangers power play can, you know, slice and dice anybody, but Rangers two is the line for me in this game. You want to go to Rangers one, you want to leave off Wheeler and add in like a Trocheck or Panarin for some power play. Cool beans. Uh, but listen, it's going to be the darter bust for Chicago for me. So I didn't see a morning skate uh, from Chicago. I know they said Anthony Beauvillier is out. Obviously, he's injured. Thankfully, this is an early game, so um, we'll get uh, Chicago lines before lock. The reason I'm kind of interested here is Ryan Donato played the third period with Connor Bedard uh, in their last game, and their numbers together this season are like actually really, really, really good. Um, at least offensively, 2.7 expected goals for 4.2 actual goals for per 60 minutes and 125 minutes together, basically even by shots for and against, which on this Chicago Blackhawks roster, like going even is feels like a miracle. The funny thing is, is I was reading an article. I didn't read an article. I just saw uh, bits of an article yesterday where the Chicago coach was talking about how he didn't want to play Donato and Bedard together, even though it's been by far their best line combination. And I get why you wouldn't want to do it because it's kind of putting all your eggs in one basket, but like, this is a bottom three team in the league. Like, like what is, like, what do you wait? What does it matter? Like, really, what does it matter? Um, are you trying to save a little bit of money from when Bedard comes up for his contract negotiation uh, in a year, a year and a half or whatever? 
I just I'm gonna I'm gonna wait to see what what the what the lines look like uh, at warmups. If Donato is still on the top line with Bedard, I would I would kind of have interest in stacking them because I, Donato is a good player. Those two have been really good together this season um, offensively. What kind of sucks is the Rangers are getting away from using the Zabanish ad line in that shutdown matchup. Um, Zabanish ad line's obviously been pretty bad defensively with Blake Wheeler next to them. Uh, so probably for good reason, you know, that kind of sucks a little bit. I like I don't really have a, like a lot of interest in stacking Chicago. I would have some interest if Donato's on the top line. That's basically it. It is the Rangers side I like better here. Um, you're mentioning a little bit of positive leverage uh, on that second line. Panarin, Trocek, Lafreniere. Uh, Lafreniere, he's uh, up to like 2.7 shots per game. Or yeah, 2.7 shots per game over his last 15 games. Like he's starting to shoot the puck more, which I think is is a pretty important note here. Um, you know, if you want to turn it into a power play stack, leave Lafreniere off, put Kreider on or something like that. I think that's fine because Chicago's, Chicago's penalty kill, um, their goaltending has been pretty bad on the PK. And they're also taking more penalties than the league average over the last couple of months. So they're playing a little bit undisciplined. So I don't mind like just power play stacking the Rangers. It is the parent Panarin line that I like best here. Um, I don't think, I don't like, I don't think I have that much interest in stacking the top line. I, I like, I feel like that's, you know, like famous last words or whatever, but at the very least I would want to, you know, take a wheeler and put him one of Panarin or Trocek and turn that into a power play stack. Like I, I, I you know, put him on the slander list, but I agree with you. I don't, I don't see a lot of DFS value in Blake Wheeler these days. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, when that team is healthy, but Wheeler is not in the top six. So, yeah, Capo Columbus Blue Jackets, the 2.7 total. Yeah, non contact, but he's back in Europe. He's back in Europe under, you know, on a darkness retreat, smoking ayahuasca with Aaron Rodgers or something. I don't know. Columbus Blue Jackets, the 2.7 total. Heading into Philadelphia. The Flyers have a 3.7 total. Merzlikens is a healthy scratch tonight. Uh, Daniil Tarasov is starting. Spencer Martin is backing up. No ownership in this game. None. Nada. Zilch. Dallas won getting a bit pricey. They have been a bit better. Uh, there's a little you, over 20,000. You, you skip games there a little bit. We're still on Columbus Philly. Oh, yeah. Wait, what did I do? Oh, you talked about Merzlikens being scratched, and then he skipped right to Dallas one. There we go. Um, I clicked um, on the top stacks. I clicked Columbus and Dallas instead of uh, Columbus and Philly. Here we go. Philadelphia Flyers. All their lines have some negative leverage here tonight. Good reason. Blue Jackets suck. Like, they have good young talent. They're just not ready to compete yet. Um, 
lines are Konechny, Farabee, Couturier, Tippett, Frost, Brink, Atkinson, Forrester, Poling. <sighs> Tippett, Frost, Brink well, is the – well, if it no, is. No, Atkinson and Frost are scratched. Well, there you go. Th- yeah, you might have missed that in the Discord. Um, Ken Atkinson and Morgan Frost are going to be scratches. Uh, so that completely, that's like, we have literally have no idea what any of the lines are going to be. Uh, like, I'm assuming they leave Faraby on the top line because he played the whole game there last game, but it was also a 5 2 loss. And Torts is now scratching two, <laughs> um, um, Atkinson and Frost. So, you know, who knows what, what we're going to see at warm ups. You there, Josh? My internet's going wonky again. One cloud, orange, red. Um, can you hear me or no? Yeah, I can hear you. I'll just jump in, uh, like, real quick on, on the lines. Oh, um, like I said, Katuri, Konechny, and Faraby played pretty much the entire game in the last game, but it was a loss. Um Torts isn't exactly known for leaving uh, all <laughs> lines together um, in a three-goal loss. Uh, that's why Frost and Atkinson are getting scratched. Um, I don't really have a best guess as to what the second line might be. Um, you know, maybe they move. Uh, like, honestly, I don't even know. Like, maybe they move um, Scott Lawton uh, to the top line um, or to the second line, sorry. Uh, maybe they move Ryan Paling up. Like we'll just have to see at warmups. Um, as for the power play, I, I think Tyson Forrester is going to take Morgan Frost's spot. Whether that happens or not, again, we'll see. Uh, I wrote up Travis Konechny for the picks article today just because it is such a good matchup. I was looking at some of his um, other data for the season, and like he's added a, an excellent playmaking dimension to his game. They just need another winger that can finish regularly. That hasn't necessarily been the case uh, for a lot, some of the wingers that they've used this season. And obviously the power play has been a big struggle. That's why his assist total isn't necessarily where it should be. Um, there is a lot of um, ownership. Whoop. There is a lot of ownership on the Flyers here tonight. Uh, 9% on the top line as is, 13% on the second line as is. But the thing is, is like, with these lines almost assuredly going in a blender, we'll see. We'll have to see what they look like at warm-ups, but I'm pretty sure whatever the second and third lines are going to be are, are probably going to be fairly low owned, at least relatively speaking, because, you know, honestly, the second line could be something like Tyson Forrester, Owen Tippett, Scott Lawton. You know what I mean? Like that's, we, we honestly just have no idea because they didn't have a morning skate. They just got back from a West coast swing, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, like right now, I'll say I have the most interest in the Flyers' top line because Konechny and Katori have been really good all season. Farabee's been their best per minute producer uh, at five on five as well. Um, but I think you might be able to sneak like a, a fairly cheap second line in, depending on what the warmups look like, just because nobody knows what those second lines are going to look like. So I would just say pay attention to whatever warmup is going to be if you have interest in playing some Flyers depth, because I think you might be able to get a lower own combination than what we're showing on the top stacks, just because Torts is going nuclear on the lines. 
Yeah. That was a rough few minutes for my internet and me. We're back. Um, Steve in the chat says, no, Kate's may return tonight, but not likely. I mean, listen, warm-ups, you have to see the Flyers line. Any advice on how to structure lineups for 50-50s and double-ups? Um, some of the best advice I ever got for 50-50s and double-ups was don't force correlation. If you happen to get there, you get there. But you just kind of want to play the the high floor, high ceiling guys. Um, if you happen to stack some guys on the same lines, that's fine. I think you need to identify, you know, a couple really good expensive players that you want to play. Um, and then fill in with some value, but you, you're really looking for some high floor guys there. Yeah, and, and, and then, I'll just uh, I'll just echo kind of what's in the chat right now is like, there's only one reporter saying that Frost and Atkinson are going to be scratched right now, and it's from a site that we don't necessarily want to rely on all the time for our news. So, again, just be aware of that, but um, just be prepared for very new line combinations of warm-ups. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, it makes sense. Like, it wouldn't shock me if that was true, whether that site yeah. is reputable or not. Let's actually get to the Dallas Stars now. Come on, Big Josh. Here we go. Colorado Avalanche with a 3.1 total heading into Dallas. The Stars have a 3.4. The dog wants some action on the camera, apparently. Come on, big guy. Here we go. No, no ownership on Dallas here. Now I can say that correctly. 1.3% on Dallas 1. Very tough matchup. Even, well... It was a tough matchup. Now Johnny Druen is on the top line. Like, I, I don't know if I want to play 20,300 for Dallas one here. I'd much rather just go to Sagan, Duchesne, Marchman at 14-2, under 1% against, you know, the depth of Colorado. So, like, I guess Dallas one's fine in MME because Druen does weaken that top line defensively. But I'm more interested in the Dallas depth. And even there, I don't have a ton of interest. Like, I'd rather play Buffalo 2 than Dallas here tonight. There's some other depth later that I like. Now, the, the real question here is what to do with Colorado because they're coming in with pretty high positive leverage. With Drew N there, they're getting – it's like a 3K discount. But I, I don't know if I want a full stack here. If you want a one-off one McKinnon here, I think that is a fine time to do it or two-man him with Rantanen. Like, I just – I don't love this game, even though it's a six-and-a-half. I know the goaltending on both sides hasn't been great, but I, I just – I don't know. There's other spots that I just like so much better on this slate. So, for me, I, I'm MME in this game. Yeah, um, I'll bring up that low ownership that you were talking about from Dallas. 1.3% uh, top line, 0.6% on the second line. Um We'll mention that, you know, that second line, their goal scoring and their expected goal scoring has gone down over like the last month. Like they had a really good first two months of the season. Now it seems like it's the turn of White Johnson, Jamie Benn. Funny enough, I was looking at some playmaking data yesterday and we were wondering why that Johnston and Ben line wasn't succeeding. Two, two of the players that had the biggest year-over-year -year declines in assists on on teammate scoring chances came from Wyatt Johnston and Evgeny Dodonov. And then, you know, Jamie Ben might just be genuine, you know, the Benessance might be over. Like he might 
uh, genuinely just be in his full age-related decline. But they have been better of late. I think the problem for me is, is like, the way Colorado has their lines now, like, yes, Jonathan Drouin probably makes the top line a little bit weaker, but they're still fairly good defensively. Like, 2.4 expected goals against per 60 is about league average. Um, and you have, you know, Ross Colton down on the second line, skating with Valerie Nachushkin. That seems like it would be a pretty good defensive line to me. And then that leaves Logan O'Connor down on the third line. And Logan O'Connor has been arguably their best defensive forward this season. So, like, it seems like it's a pretty brutal matchup with the way um, Colorado has figured out their lines. Also, with the updated power play numbers, Dallas is only drawing about 2.1 power plays per game over the last, you know, six, eight weeks. Eight, I think my sample is eight weeks. So they're not really drawing a lot. And Colorado's penalty kill has gen generally been good this year when their goaltending hasn't let them down. So, um, yeah, I, I think I would probably just go back to the Johnston, Ben, the Donoff line, get a piece of the top power play unit, um, you know, get more into the depth matchups, maybe the third and fourth lines from Colorado. Uh, but I, I think this is another game where I, I would probably lean to the road team. I would probably, I, I agree with you on Colorado one. I think I would, that's probably the direction I would go. Like they are one of the better leverage lines on the entire slate. 17.1% top two stack, 5% ownership. You know, Joanne is getting a fair about fair amount of ice time, 21 minutes, over 21 minutes in each of his last two games. Um, they're still scoring 3.4 goals per 60 with him up there. The power play has been deadly. The Dallas penalty kill has not been that good over the last month or so. Whether, you know, Wedgwood, Ottinger, or you're just looking at shots against, um, they have been on a little bit of a slide over the, over the last 12 games. I think it is uh, the Colorado top line I like best in this game. I don't know if I'm running out to stack either side, though. Yeah, like it's a six and a half total, too, and it feels bad because this was last year. There is some high octane in this game, but I mean, it still is, but I don't know. This feels weird. As we mentioned off the top of the show, thank you so much for the support uh, you guys have given us through Super Chats, through our affiliate link. And what do you get with that affiliate link if you're going looking to go premium, which I just posted in the chat if you are interested? You get player and ownership projections, top stacks, tools, line combination, and the Discord. Discord is invaluable, in my opinion, especially if you're looking to up your game strategy-wise. Uh, there's a whole bunch of sharp people in there. Cliffy and myself are in there. Jake is in there. A lot of really, really sharp players uh, willing to help if you have questions. So, yeah, check out that link. Uh, if you use promo code NHL Strategy, you get 10% off uh, weekly or monthly. You can add on Fancy Cruncher. You don't have to add on Fantasy Cruncher. Thank you, Fantasy Cruncher. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one here. Tampa Bay Lightning with a 3.2 total. Heading into Minnesota, the Mild have a 2.8 total. The Wild are a mess. A mess. Spurgeon got hurt again. is not ready to return. Kaprizov is out. Phil, uh, Gustafsson's out. Brody's Brody's still out. Yeah. Um, Felino's not back tonight. So despite all that, despite all that, highest projected line of the night, Minnesota one, Eric Snack, Boldy, Marcus Johansson. You know what that feels like? Feels like Nashville won from last year a little bit here. <laughs> Judging by Cliffy's face, I don't think he realized I was going in that direction. He thought I was going to zig, but I zagged. 
Um, I just like I am a huge Joe Eriksson guy, and I'm a big Boldy guy. I'm I'm not a Marcus Johansson guy, but that line combination, and they have like decent numbers. They have a decent sample, but that was when they were the second line, right? And there was Zuccarello, Kaprizov, and Hartman taking top competition. Now, Tampa Bay, not an elite defensive team by any stretch, but like I just I don't want to play chalk Minnesota here. It's one of those flag planting things for me is if if that line beats me on a 13 game slate of chalk, good good for you guys. Like I'll come back tomorrow. I'll put my tail between my legs and say I was wrong. But like I just don't want to play them as the chalkiest line of the night. Just is what it is. Like you want to play Rossi Hartman. I think that's fine. Cheap two man. I just I'm out on Minnesota one. I, I think if you want if you if you want to play them, go for it. Um to me for me, the real interesting side is Tampa Bay, and we don't have concrete lines. Now Marc Andre Fleury's gonna have to start. So this is kind of like a Colorado situation or Edmonton situation for me without knowing the lines. I will focus on their power play, guys. I think, you know, Stamkos Kucherov, two-man is fine. Uh, Add-in point. Like, I think you just – you worry about the big three here, right? Kucherov, Stamkos, point. And you mix and match. If you happen to find a line combination that you like in pregame skate, you can go with that. But I think, like, if you're having a later lineup, you, you throw in those three really expensive guys – and then you can react to the news. There's a bunch of games after that that you can put in. So power play guys for Tampa, not too much interest in Minnesota. Yeah, see, my big three from Tampa Bay are Hagel. Brandon Hagel, Michael Asimov, and Anthony Sorelli. But, you know, to each their own. Um, yeah, I, we don't know exactly what lines are going to be. They, I haven't seen any morning skates uh, yet. Uh, they did leave Stamkos, Sorelli, and Kucherov together for most of the game. Like, you know, there's a shift here where Stamkos is on a different line or, or Sorelli was on a different line or something like that. But for most of the game, they were they were left together. I wrote up Stamkos in the picks article for one reason, and it's that when Kucherov was playing away from Braden Point, his the team's goal scoring basically stays flat. Like Braden Point isn't the guy that makes Nikita Kucherov go. It's Nikita Kucherov that makes Braden Point go. And that's why, like, even when you know, you and I talk smack about Stamkos and Sorelli all the time. If it's just about anybody in the league except for Nikita Kucherov on the other side, like I would probably pass, but it's Nikita Kucherov, you know what I mean? Like he's having a heart trophy season. And a couple of the things that I mentioned in that article is one Minnesota's penalty kill has stayed just as bad under John Hines. The only difference has been great goaltending on the PK. But if you look at the goaltending on the PK over the last couple of years, Marc-Andre Fleury's been really bad and Philip Gustafson's been really good and Gustafson's hurt. So it's going to be Fleury in net against a penalty kill that is bottom five in the league by shots against since John Hines came in. On top of that, when I was looking at penalties, uh, power play opportunities uh, given and taken per game, uh, Tampa Bay is drawing amongst the most power plays per game in the league over the last two months, and Minnesota is giving up amongst the most power plays per game in the league over the last couple months. So 
you have a bad penalty kill with the worst goalie at half, you know, a third of their team is injured and they're taking a lot of penalties relative to everybody else in the league. I'm kind of digging Tampa Bay one here. Kucherov, Stamkos, Sorelli. Um, you know, if you, like you said, there are a lot of late games with expensive players that you can swap to if you want. Like there's a, you know, Vancouver starts at the same time. Um, you have Florida much later in the slate. You have Winnipeg later in the slate. Like there are swaps that you can make depending on what your defensemen and your goalies are and all that. So, you know, nine, what is it? Nine out of the 13 games start at the same time as Tampa's or later. So there are a lot of games that, and a lot of players that you can swap to if they, you know, just completely nuke their lines. But where Kucherov has still been able to produce away from Braden Point, where Kucherov and Stamkos have still been able to produce away from Braden Point, where this is a pretty good power play spot for them. And Minnesota's missing all their, um, all those defensemen and all those forwards. And I think, you know, losing Gustafson is probably the biggest note, obviously. Um, it's a pretty big, it's a pretty sizable downgrade in net. Um, Tampa one is actually one of my favorite stacks on the slate here tonight. Uh, again, they're coming in with positive leverage, 7% ownership, 12.7% top two stack percentage. They're one of the most favored lines uh, on the night uh, to hit. So um, if you want to make it a full power play stack, take out Sorelli, put in Paul, like that type of thing, I think that's just fine. I really like Tampa one here on as for Minnesota. Like I agree with you. This feels like bad chalk. Um, I would, I would rather play like an overall Montreal line tonight. I think um, might sound homerish, you know, sue me. Uh, Tampa Bay one is one of my favorite stacks uh, on the entire slate. Yeah. You know who misses Gustafson more than the wild, the senators, but we'll get there. We'll get there. I, I don't know why I always take shots at Canadian teams. I happen to really like the senators, but anyway, Calgary Flames with a 2.9 total heading into Nashville. The Predators have a 3.1 total. This game kind of kind of is cheeks. Yeah. I, I will say Markstrom has been playing better. I used him the other night, and he was good. Uh, it was against the Wild. But I, I honestly think the only line for Nashville that I'm interested in is in the top line. Like Gustav Nyquist, like he must be on, on the juice. Um, if Gus was still on the sense, he'd be an ECA. Yeah, that's true. Like, uh. anyway, Nyquist has looked really good of late. Forsberg, O'Reilly, that line has been pretty good. They had that little down plateau a few weeks ago, but they're coming back here. Like, Calgary is a pretty good, like, we give Calgary a lot of shit, but like, for DFS purposes, because their lines are just whatever. But, like, they're a pretty good team. They're, like, a pretty good defensive team. Marksham has been pretty good. So I understand why there's not much ownership on the Preds' top line. Like, they're 18,400. I think I'd much rather play Buffalo 1 here at 18,900. Um, I, I think Nashville 1 is a pretty good MME play. Not hard to get above the field if that's your cup of tea. On the flip side, like, it's a good power play matchup. It's just the Calgary power play just kind of powerless. Like I, I there isn't much there that I like I, I think I do have a little bit of interest in the Lindholm Sharon Gova Chubidel line as a filler. They're, like they're only thirteen thousand four hundred. So like yeah. I don't mind all their, all their lines are filler lines. Yeah. Like again, I'm gonna start beating this drum until I get answers. I want to play Kadri Zari Pospisil, but these fools will not play Zari more than, like, nine minutes for some reason. So, like, 
I am resigned to have to play Elias Lindholm, Yegor Sharangovich, and Huberdo. And like, I, I guess like I don't mind it as a filler in MME, but like this game kind of sucks. Yeah, I, I, I will say the one thing that is working in Nashville's favor, like. Calgary's penalty kill has been a lot better. It's basically been top five in the league since December 1st. Um, but Nashville is coming in with positive leverage. As you mentioned, 5.1% top two stack, 2% ownership. And also with that, with Nashville's top line getting the shutdown matchup, they're going out against that Lindholm, Huberto, Sharon Govich line. And that's been, you know, Calgary's worst defensive line. <laughs> like that's, that's just kind of the way it works. Like they're below, like, Without Manjupani on the top line, Sharon Govich and Lindholm are below average expected goals against, below average actual goals against. Problem is, is like they're not terrible defensively. And again, Calgary's penalty kill has been really good. Um, you know, Calgary hasn't really been giving up a ton of power plays either, basically league average over the last couple months. So I I don't mind Nashville one here tonight, actually. Because they're still getting reasonable minutes, like 18 to 20 minutes. It's a pretty good five-on-five matchup. They're perfectly correlated on the power play. Like, if I'm 150 maxing, yeah, I probably have 3 4%, 5% of Nashville 1 or something like that here tonight. It's just that in a single entry, when you're looking at that $18,000 price range, there are just a lot of lines there. And, you know, you talked about Buffalo 1, um, you know, higher, um, higher top two-stack percentage by a lot. And still under 5% owned. Um, you know, Rangers 2, hot, much higher owned, much better spot. I think there's an Ottawa line that's usable. Uh, we'll talk about them in a little bit. Like Vancouver, uh, almost no ownership against St. Louis. Like there are just, I think, other spots to go to instead rather than relying on that line. Now they're getting a lot of minutes. So I think if you want a one-off Sharon Govich or something like that, especially where, you know, I think he has like – 16 shots in his last five games, if I'm remembering correctly. So he's shooting the puck a little bit more, getting a lot of minutes. I just don't know if I want to full stack anything from Calgary. Uh, I think for me in this game, it's Nashville one or bust. But for me, it feels like Nashville one is a little bit more of an MME than a single entry, uh, single entry play tonight. Yeah. Before we move on, we have a $50 super chat from Mark Brandon, 0328. Thank you very much. If that is you and your Avi, I am jealous. You are yoked. Thanks for the content over the years. Winnipeg won on FanDuel. Normally, I'd say yes, but uh, Winnipeg won is now Graffiti, Shifley, and Ayafalo. Winnipeg 2 is now Ehlers, Nemestikov, Velarde. We will get to that game soon. That kind of does change some things. It is still a really good matchup. I, but I, I, I will say, like, I don't. In a nutshell, I don't mind Ehlers, Nemestikov, Velarde because I think Ehlers and Velarde are more than good enough to carry Nemestikov in a matchup against San Jose. What I think the problem is, is like I think these line combinations are made with the intent of really spreading out the ice time here tonight. And obviously, we'll talk about the Winnipeg game later. I just wouldn't be surprised if like the top line has like 17 minutes the second line's at like 16 minutes the third line's at like 15 minutes and the fourth line's at like 13 minutes because like if they're in tr if they're in trouble against san jose tonight um where they have to go back to their normal top heavy lines or whatever um something's gone terribly wrong so that's why i think they're going to the lineup because it's not like you know it's not like winnipeg was getting their brains beat in like they had it's they had back-to-back -back wins against minnesota and they were leading against tampa bay like you know what I mean? Like when they made that switch. Um, 
I think this is, I think they're leaving them just because it is San Jose. And that, that makes me concerned for ice time, but we will talk about it later. I will say in a nutshell, I think it is good enough to play. Um, I just worry about ice time. Yeah, we'll get to that game too, but you know, you got kind of go to the line with the best player on it, and that's Gabriel Velarde. Um, you could also do go old Winnipeg one because it is a very good power play spot. So we'll get to that game very shortly, though. But thank you very much for the super chat. Let me know uh, <clears throat> what brand of HGH you use as well. I'm trying to get back into it. Vancouver Canucks with a three point four total heading into St. Louis. The Blues have a three total. Philip Giuseppe got hurt pretty early in that game. The lines are a mess after that, like a mess. Um, Elias Patterson played with yeah, but they, but they did run. They did run a morning skate, um, and they had McCabe and Lafferty back on the top line with Pedersen. Um, they, I think it was Dakota Joshua on the second line. Um, I actually don't mind that, but. But they had Andre Kuzmenko skating as a scratch, but he was also practicing on the top power play units. So that tells me that Kuzmenko is still going to be in the lineup, which tells me maybe Lafferty is going back to the fourth line, or maybe Kuzmenko is just going to play on the fourth line and then jump to the top power play unit. Um, but yeah, a mess. In short, it's still a mess. Dakota Joshua has very good playmaking play metrics. So if he is with those guys, that does interest me. Um, almost anybody on that team playing with JT Miller and Brock Besser interests me, but. Um, oh, sorry. No, it was Pia Suter, not Dakota Joshua. They, uh, three point game, baby. Yeah. I mean, I used to play him when he was the Detroit second center. He probably still would be the second best center on Detroit right now, but you know, I, I don't mind it. Like I don't care who the third wheel with JT Miller and Brock Besser. I'll probably JT Miller and Brock Besser in a nutshell. In a, you know, the thing is, though, Blues don't take a ton of penalties. Like, they're one of the lowest in the league. And that's an issue because Vancouver is one of those heavily reliant teams on the power play. So, like, it is a 3.4 total. And there isn't much ownership. And it's that for that reason. But, like, getting over the field in MME, pretty easy here. Um, the lines could be a bit worrisome, you know, how they mixed them up, whatever. But, you know, Miller, Besser, Suter, fine. Pedersen, Mikheyev, fine. Just, I actually prefer that line with Lafferty than Mikheyev or with uh, Kuzmenko, as, as crazy as that sounds. Like, Kuzmenko, like Jordan Bennington, had a season last year and he got himself paid. He's just not as good as his numbers are. So, Vancouver top six in a nutshell, more of an MME thing. One to three, I'm interested in the Blues top line. They are. They do have a little bit of negative leverage, but they're sixteen eight, which is juicy, and they're fully correlated on the power play. Vancouver's penalty kill sucks, even though they lead the league in and in, in goal differential. It's because they beat beat up on the Sharks like nineteen times this season. In on St. Louis one, I do like Vancouver top six, but it's more of an MME thing because it is a bad power play matchup. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really struggling with this one because when I wrote my picks article today, I put St. Louis in. I expected St. Louis probably to be around like 5 6 7% ownership, and they're actually higher than that by what we have. Um, I'll bring up top stacks here real quick. Coming in at about 9% ownership, 
Uh, like you said, a little bit of negative leverage. They are reasonably priced, 16800 on DraftKings. I still like St. Louis one because they've looked really good under um, Coach Bannister. Uh, Bruce, we'll just call him Bruce Bannister. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what I wanted to mention was two things. One, they're perfectly correlated now on the power play. Vancouver's penalty kill has been better. Still not great, but better over the last month. Um, the other thing is St. Louis has been drawing a few more power play opportunities. They're still not drawing a lot, but one thing St. Louis has been doing is taking more penalties. Like that has gone up over the last couple months. Now they're still not, they're still below average. Like, you know, they're not <laughs> up there in Ottawa territory or anything like that. But, um, it, it, it does kind of like when I see the ownership, it kind of makes me want to play Vancouver a little bit more. Like, it's a 3.4 total for the Canucks, right? Like, that is a high road total, um, considering they only have, like, four guys that score. I mean, Pia Suter's three-point game aside, considering they only have, like, four guys that meaning, meaningfully contribute, a 3.4 total on the road with no ownership seems really high. Like, 1.7% uh, – with Kuzmenko on the top line, even if it's Lafferty there, I don't see it that coming that much higher under 1% for the JT Miller line. Like I'm going to be honest. Like I, I think I'm pretty interested in playing like Pedersen, Kuzmenko, Mikheyev. Um, if Lafferty's up there, like maybe I'll, I'll make a swap at lock, but if nobody's going to be playing a Vancouver team with a 3.4 total, and we have seen them beat the brains out of a lot of opponents, like, yeah, they haven't been filling the net like they did in the first, you know, six weeks of the season or whatever. But it's not like St. Louis is a defensive juggernaut or anything like that. Like, especially where I think the way the line matching is going to work in this game is that Thomas is going to go out against um, Pedersen quite a bit. So if you want to drop down to the JT Miller line, like JT Miller and Besser up against Brain Shen and Brandon Saad, that heavily favors the Vancouver side. So... I don't mind the Pedersen line because they are cheap and coming in with such low ownership. If you want to pay up a little bit more and go to the JT Miller line in a much better five on five matchup, I'm down with that. Like I, I started the day pretty high on St. Louis as I've gone through the slate. And as I've seen, you know, the over unders basically not change, like not a whole lot of money on either side, you know, pushing it one way or another. I'm leaning more towards the Vancouver side. I'm pro I, I probably have interest in JT Miller and Besser uh, and just, you know, throw Pia Suter or, or, you know, whomever on the third side or on the third or just play the duo. But I am leaning more like way more Vancouver than I was earlier today. Yeah. Like, like I said, I, I almost prefer Lafferty on that top line to Kuzmanko. Kuzmanko at this point is just in the cis spot. So. I, I mean, I, I'm, I am still amazed. Like, I, I don't mean to rant considering we're almost an hour into the show already. I am amazed at the number of pe- smart people that thought Kuzmenko would come anywhere close to repeating last season when he shot 27% and had the highest se- second assist rate, secondary assist rate in the league. Those are like the two biggest red flags you could possibly have for a player's production. I don't know what people were expecting. I, Anyways, I mean, Vancouver, smart people in Vancouver front office are like oil and water. So that's why he <laughs> contract. Sup, Nolan? 
Um, anyway, um, New York Islanders with a three total heading into Arizona. The Coyotes have a 2.9. This game is just like this game's like going to the dentist, like top line kerfoot at negative leverage. I, I get it because Islanders penalty kill sucks. And that's fully correlated, but like, they're only 13.9. So like, it's not like they're 18,000 and you have to like sacrifice your next stack to play them. You can get your stack in and then play Arizona one with them. But like negatively leveraged Arizona one with Kerfoot on it. Not super exciting. It is a good power play matchup though. So, like, uh, Arizona 2, uh, again, is fine as a filler. They're coming in with negative leverage. Kind of more interested in the, uh, the Islander side. And it's that second line because that Kerfoot, Schmaltz, Caroline is going to see the Barzell Horvat because they were sending out Kraus, Michelli, Bukestad, but their defensive numbers have that was a really bad attempt at a, at a slide, but um, so they've been sending out the Kerfoot Schmaltz cower line and that Kraus Bukestad Michelli line is going to see Cliffy's client Brock Nelson. And they're coming in with no ownership and they're 13 too. So I don't mind them as a filler. Uh, so honestly, my favorite line in this game is New York Islanders second line. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. Like I don't mind playing Arizona one here because they are perfectly correlated and because the Islanders penalty kill is so bad. Uh, but an over leverage line, like it's just not for me. Um, it's kind of why I wrote up Brock Nelson in the picks article. Um, he's on pace for 38 goals again. I think it'd be this third season in a row with at least 36 goals. Like it feels like the fact that he's doing this as he turned like 30 years old is, is something that we're not talking about enough. Um, but that, th- that second line still been generating quite a bit, 3.1 expected goals, three actual goals per 60 minutes at five on five over the last three weeks, like Engvall, he'll get his points once in a while, but I think he's a guy you could probably leave off the stack. Like he, it feels like if there was a third assist in hockey, like he'd have a bunch of them. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I really do like that on their second line because they are going to get a somewhat easier matchup, uh, against the Michelli line. Um, there's no ownership. Like you were talking about low ownership for the Islanders, 0.8% on both of the top lines. I do worry about, they're doing that thing again, where the defensemen are taking a lot of shots. Uh, I was actually looking at the Islanders top line and over the last month, with the Islanders' top line, the Barzal line on the ice, the defensemen are taking forty-four percent of the shots. Which, like, just, just there's only two. Def- there's only two defensemen, and they're almost they're taking nearly <laughs> half the shots over the last month. Like, come on, boys. Anyways, um, I just with with almost no ownership, it's a really good power play matchup for Nelson and Palmieri. Uh, really good five-on-five matchup as well. Islanders two is my favorite line in this game. You know, if you want to leave off Engvall and put on like one of Horvat or Barzal, make it a power play stack, I think that's perfectly fine. But it, it, I think it's just a really good matchup all around for Islanders two. There's no ownership. They are one of my favorite filler lines on the slate. It's like why I said earlier tonight or earlier in the show why there are a lot of road teams I like here tonight. This is another one of them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a little. I don't know what I just said. 
It's a little bit lower total, but again, like it's a good special teams matchup. Ottawa Senators with a 3.1 total heading into Seattle. The Kraken have a 3.3. The Senators have been so bad. And they haven't been better after they fired DJ Smith. They've arguably been worse. Um, (laughs) And I can point to a few things. Maybe having Josh Norris as your top line center. Not the best idea. I know they're trying to lengthen the lineup, but like put Stutzla with Kachuk. And and put Ridley Greek as your second line center. I think he's earned it by this point. Like I, I I'm not sure that he's not just outright better than Josh Norris right now. Yeah. And they they really need the uh the inside gambler back, but that's for another time. But like you put Stutzla with Kachuk. You can put him with Batherson. You can put him with Giroux. You can put him with Tarasenko. It doesn't matter. They play really well together. Norris, Kachuk, Batherson, they just they just aren't it. The problem here is, we were talking about it before the show, Dave Haxtall, a Muppet, sends out Wenberg, Tanev, McCann against Top Comp, and they've been so bad. They're awful defensively. But, like, I just don't want to play Norris, Batherson, Kachuk together. If if you happen to get to warm-ups and it's Stutzla, Kachuk, Drew, I'm pushing the chips in. I'm all in. Like, that's one of my favorite lines to play over the past few seasons. They're just not going to do it. I, I just don't know if I could play Sens with these current iteration of lines. I think Ottawa 2 is fine in MME. Seattle's interesting here because Ottawa's penalty kill and defense have been an absolute tire fire. And luckily, luckily, they're not chalk here tonight. And Beneers, Eberle, Tatar, under 11K, and they're not getting much ownership. So if you are expensively power play stacking, I do like taking a couple guys off that line, Beneers, Eberle, Tatar. They have been very good. So in on Seattle 1, Ottawa is giving me a migraine. Yeah, I. it's one of those things where I, I don't mind Ottawa 1 in a nutshell here just because, you know, Ottawa does draw a lot of power plays. Seattle doesn't give up a lot and they have a good penalty kill besides. But Ottawa does draw a lot of power plays. That top line is perfectly correlated on the power play. Um, they haven't been awful offensively. 2.8 expected goals for, 2.9 actual goals for with Bathurst in there. But that's not really that good. And they're just way worse defensively. So um, in that kind of situation, like I, I would probably just pass on Ottawa unless I'm in MME. It is the Seattle side I like more. I was, you know, we were talking about how Thomas Tatar's really fit in on that top line. You were mentioning it. Beneers, Eberle and Tatar, 10,900 on DraftKings, only 1.3% ownership. Yeah, it's a little bit of negative leverage, but considering you're playing the Ottawa Senators, um, Seattle has a 3.3 total and they're under 2% owned, and they're probably going to get the most ice time of all their lines here tonight. Um, I really do like that that Seattle top line. They have been better with Tatar there. 75 shot attempts, 3.7 expected goals, 4.4 actual goals. That was the problem all season for first 30 games with Seattle was the top line was jettering a lot but not finishing. They have been finishing with Tatar there. Um, you know, two out of the three guys are uh, on the same power play unit together. Uh, that'd be Eberle and Beneers. They're on that Justin Schultz unit. Ottawa's penalty kills absolutely garbage. You can you can like 
you can do like a an Everly uh, Beneers Schultz pretty cheap three man power play stack in a really good spot and go get an expensive stack elsewhere. Um, I'm with you. I really do like the Beneers line here tonight. <sighs> Florida Panthers with a three total. I'm spent after talking about the sounds. The Florida Panthers with a three total heading into Vegas. The Golden Knights also have a three total. The Vegas Golden Knights also mixing up their lines. They're going Eichel, Marcioso, Barbashev, Stone, Stevenson, Dorfeev, La Carrier, uh, Kolasar. I I know, I know Vegas just won the Stanley Cup, so like I'm gonna keep the trash talking to a minimum here. But like this roster is bad. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Like after, after Stone, Marshall, and Eichel, like these forwards are just. Bleh. Anyway, not a very good matchup going against Florida. Florida has been one of the best defensive teams in the league, which is crazy to say because they were last year. They're wildly high paced. Um, they have a very good penalty kill too. Like if you want to play Eichel, Marshall, Barbashev in MME, that's perfectly fine. They're coming in with positive leverage. The Florida side is super interesting here. Again, no one's playing Florida one. I don't know why no one plays this line. Like, it's legitimately one of the best in the NHL. I get it because Florida two is $2,100 cheaper. But, like, this is a good power play matchup. Vegas's penalty kill has been on a slide. And also, Stevenson and Stone together have been atrocious all season. So I want to take advantage of that matchup. I'm in on Florida here. I don't know what your take is, but I'm fired up. <laughs> yeah, um, I am in on Florida as well. Like, Florida just has been really good defensively. Uh, I was looking over the last three weeks. The top line, 2.1 expected goals against. The second line, 2.4 actual goals expected goals against. The Florida penalty kill has been elite basically all season, especially over the last month. Um, it just seems like a really bad spot for Vegas. They need Shea Theodore back badly. And I just saw an update. It said he's no closer to returning than the last time the coach talked to the reporters. And that's not good because he is just flat out one of the best puck movers in the league. I saw some stat earlier in the season where he was getting uh, about as many touches per shift as any player in the league. And like when you include Connor McDavid and Artemi Panarin and all those guys, like he was integral to how they created offense or transitioned into offense through the neutral zone. Anyways, one of the reasons why we usually play Florida one is because Florida two is always wildly overowned. That's not the case here tonight. Top stacks has Florida two coming in with positive leverage, 5.3% top two stack percentage, 3.4% ownership. This isn't a night where I feel like I need to go get a half percent owned Florida one. Florida two has been absolutely rolling over the last few weeks. 3.9 expected or sorry, 3.4 expected goals. I can't even read my own handwriting. 5.5 actual goals per 60 minutes, five on five. Carter Verhage's just straight up been one of the best players in the NHL over the last month. Certainly one of the best wingers. Um, Sam Bennett's come alive a little bit. Matthew Kachuk is shooting less. But one thing I, I was mentioning earlier was that playmaking that I was looking at. His playmaking has improved a lot from last year. And I think maybe that's why you're seeing Verhage and Bennett score more of late. Um and they also get that Stone-Stevenson matchup. Like, Stone and Stevenson this year, without Jack Eichel on their line, 3.6 expected goals against per 60, 3.4 actual goals against. 
per 60 minutes at five on five and their penalty and the biggest, like you mentioned, the biggest penalty kill has really, really taken a nosedive over the last month or so. Um, I know there's not a big total on Florida here, but there's not a big total on Vegas either. And that Florida second line has been humming along like they were all last season. Um, they're coming in under owned for once. I think this is the night where I might take a dive on Florida too. Yeah. And like Vegas's best goalies hurt Aiden Hill. Logan Thompson has been okay, but like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Let's talk about the wings. Detroit Red Wings with a 2.7 total heading into Los Angeles. Our Kings have a 3.7 total. They're starting Big Save Dave, by the way. First game, first start for Big Save Dave, not against the Sharks this season. That could be a scene. But another team mixing up their lines. Like we've we've hit the point where coaches have gotten bored. Like, and the Kings have hit that point. Trevor Moore, Andre Kopitar, Quentin Byfield, Kempe, Pierre Lac Dubois, Alex Laferriere. And Fiala, Deneau, and Carl Grundstrom. If you're if quick rant on the Kings, if you're at this point in the season and you're going to jumble your lines, just move Quentin Byfield to center at this point. Like, just do it. Just do it. What are we waiting for? Anyway, I do know why they're moving Kempe to the Dubois line. They're trying to get Dubois going. I don't mind that line just because Dubois is so cheap. He's like 3,500. Laferriere is a shooter. Kempe is my favorite king. Um, I like that line. Like there's no line on Detroit that goes, man, I can't. I can't stack against this line. That JT Confer, he is just a, an elite defense. No. That, you know, Lucas Raymond, elite. No. Like I think all the Kings lines are in play here. The Fiala Deneau. Grunstrom line coming in very negatively leveraged. That kind of worries me a little bit. So I'd, I'd rather go to the top line, more Kopitar, Byfield, or my favorite, Dubois, Kempe, Laferriere. If you want to put, if you want to leave Laferriere off and put a guy on the blue line, whatever. I'm in on the Kings. They have a massive total. What to do with the wings here? Like, I, one thing that worries me is when you get, when you're, when you're playing a team that doesn't have huge samples with their lines, like you just don't know how they're going to mesh. So like for that reason, there's no ownership on any of these Detroit lines and it is big save Dave in that. And he hasn't earned that nickname, even though he has a nine fifty one. but both those games are against the sharks. I don't mind taking a stab on Larkin, Raymond Perron. They're just, there's no ownership on them. So in like 20 max, if you go one for 20, you're way over the field. There's just a situation where the goalie is just the huge question mark. Kings are a wagon. Goalies are a question mark. So I don't mind taking the stab at MME on the wings. Yeah. I, I think one of the reasons why I don't mind the wings, I would I would probably lean towards the second line, the Brinkat King Confer. For the only reason that you get two guys on the top power play, and Detroit has been drawing the most power plays per game over the last two months. And when you look at the penalty kill save percentages, like Cam Talbot's is 925 on the penalty kill, which is just absolutely bonkers. So you got to figure that a reason why one of the big reasons why the Kings penalty kill is, has remained so good is because of Cam Talbot. Maybe Dave Riddick isn't quite the same guy. You know, if Detroit gets four four power plays, you know, can they let it Dave Riddick for a couple goals? Like, I think so. 
Um, I think for that reason, I'd probably go to Debrinkat Kane, but I really don't have a ton of interest in Detroit. It is the Los Angeles second line. Pierre-Luc Dubois and Alex Laferriere over the last four weeks, 4.1 expected goals per 60 minutes of five on five. It's just that they're shooting three and a half percent because neither Dubois nor Laferriere can finish. But now they got Adrian Kempe next to them. And yeah, Los Angeles two is coming in a little bit over-owned. They're at about 4% ownership, 1.7% top two stack percentage. But you're you're adding Kempe, who probably gives Dubois the best winger he's had since he got moved down to the third line. Like, let's be honest. And I'm not worried about any of the defensive matchups from Detroit, whether it's the penalty kill, whether it's five on five, it doesn't matter. Like this Detroit is just a bad defensive team. Um, that's why I wrote up Pierre-Luc Dubois in the picks article. You know, if you want to go to the more Kopitar byfield line, because they're probably going to be lower owned, I think go ahead. But at 13200 for Kempe, Dubois, and Laferriere, what I mentioned in the Dubois article, he's at a four-year high in points per minute at five-on-five. Five. The problem is, is like he's just not play, he hasn't been playing a ton of minutes and has been moved off the power play. Still off the power play, but, you know, at least he's getting a much better winger next to him. I like Kings 2 here tonight. I don't mind the Debrinkat line either, but I think it's Kings 2 that I prefer way more than anything else. Yeah, let's move on to the uh, Sharks. Let's get the Sharks out of the way here, shall we? Winnipeg Jets with the 3.6 total. <clears throat> Heading into San Jose, the Sharks have a 2.5. If you're just joining us, the Winnipeg uh, lines are a bit different. They swapped Shifley and Nemestikov. So it's Shifley between Perfidi and Ayafalo and Nemestikov in between Ehlers and Velarde. Like, I'm just going to go to that Nemestikov line if I'm, you know, five on five stacking. I think you could still just go to Shifley, Ehlers, Velarde. You probably just get them a little bit lower owned, I guess. But, like, it's a good power play spot. You could just go, like, Ehlers, Velarde, Morrissey and call it a day and you know, find a center you like to one off, something like that. It's a really good matchup for the for Winnipeg. Like you can leave in Nemestikov if you want. Like Velarde and Ehlers can kind of carry him. The Shark side, like I don't have a ton of interest. The one spot you kind of can take advantage of Winnipeg is on the on the penalty kill. But like there's so many lines that we talked about in that fillers price that the Sharks lines are priced at that like I don't think it's necessary to galaxy brand yourself into Sharks in one to three if you want to get to them in MME that's fine but this is a Winnipeg game for me yeah I I do have a little bit of interest in the Sharks because as you mentioned the Winnipeg penalty kill has been on a pretty big slide lately um, over the last month uh, dead last by quite a bit in shots against per minute on the PK bottom 10 by goals against per minute on the PK, they just don't take a lot of penalties is kind of the problem. Like San Jose might only get a couple power plays here today. And I don't want to rely on the San Jose Sharks to, you know, do work on two power plays against Connor Hellebuck. Like that's just kind of the issue that I'm running into here. Um, if anything, I would probably go back uh, to that hurdle uh, Eklund Duclair line. Um, Eklund and hurdle have been pretty good this season, even without Fabian Zetterlin, who, has been generally good. Uh, the the Eklund hurdle uh, duo, 2.9 expected goals, four per 60 minutes. Um, they're probably going to get a reasonable amount of minutes. I don't mind them. Uh, but yeah, it is the Winnipeg side I like better. I hate that they switched up all their lines. 
the thing is, is like it's not this like the San Jose penalty kills any good. I think you're fine just playing old Winnipeg one. You know what I mean? But again, where I had I do have some minutes concerns. Like I don't wonder if you know I saw somebody mention earlier in the chat uh, about a Nino Niederreiter one off. Like I don't even hate like you know a two man of Lowry and Niederreiter. Like it wouldn't su- it honestly wouldn't surprise me to see those two guys amongst like the four most used forwards or five most used forwards here tonight for Winnipeg. Um, so I think it's probably just focusing a little bit more on the cheap guys. Uh, you know, Nemestika or um, Nemestikov and uh, Ehlers have pretty good offensive numbers together this season. Um, 30, uh, almost 40 shot or almost 31 shots per 60 minutes and almost 200 minutes together, 3.3 actual goals. So if I were to stack a five on five line, it would be Nemesnikov uh, with Ehlers and Velarde. I just think that you're fine. Just kind of focus, either focusing on a power play stack or just going all the way down to the third line for Winnipeg. Um, I'm not sure I would necessarily stack either of the two even strength lines up top. Coming up after us at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, we've got Greg Ehrenberg with Owner's Box Live. Then at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, NBA Live Before Lock with Eric Lindquist and Matt Bellman. So make sure to stick around for that if you are playing NBA. Let's talk a little bit about defensemen here. Cal McCarr at the top of the board, 8,400. If you have 8,400, I think you can play Cal McCarr. (laughs) But for me, the guy that sticks out in the top range for me is Noah Dobson, 7,200. Uh, as as Cliffy mentioned, uh, Islanders defenseman taking a boatload of shots. Um, interested in Dobson. Don't even mind Yossi here uh, going down the list. I think Josh Morrissey is in a really good spot. Who else you like him? Yeah, um, I wrote up, you know, Matheson in the picks article. I just mentioned, like, he's really good across the board. Uh, five goals, 20 assists, ninety over 90 shots, over 70 blocks. Like, he just brings everything. Um, Buffalo can be a high-paced team at times. And like I said, their penalty kill has been really bad. Uh, Matt, the power play has been really good for Montreal. I do like Matheson here. I also don't mind Dolan on the other side. Uh for Buffalo. So it's really the two expensive defensemen in that game. And then Josh Morrissey for Winnipeg in the mid price range. Like I think Victor Hedman is at the top for me because if you really, really like um, the Tampa Bay power play tonight, and I do, uh, it makes sense to use Victor Hedman uh, as well. So I, especially with, you know, the three injuries that Tampa Bay's blue line still has. So I do like Hedman Brock Faber, obviously on the other side of that game, still very much in play. Um, Tory Krug, they said, is just maintenance over the last couple of days. So he'll be in the lineup almost certainly on the top power play unit. Don't mind Krug. Or it's Cedar's been running the power play for Detroit. As I said, they've been drawing a lot of power plays. Uh, don't mind Cedar. And then Adam Larson uh, for Seattle. Um, as long as he's still relatively cheap, I think he's 4,200 on DK here tonight in a pretty good matchup uh, against uh, Ottawa. So I don't mind Larson. Uh, for cheap defenseman is Pionk uh, from Winnipeg. I don't mind just, you know, saving up uh, on my defenseman for the Jets in that matchup. Alex Romanoff from the Islanders. With the Islanders in that particular matchup, with them taking a lot more shots, um, always with Romanoff. Uh, Nick Perbix, again, for Tampa Bay. Um, Ty Emerson for San Jose. I was looking for, for through some of the rookie data. I know he hasn't played that much um, so far this season. Um, I think he's only, what, 18 games I'm looking at here. But he has some pretty good metrics, and he's been playing – more minutes of late, over 21 minutes in four of his last five games. So I don't mind Ty Everson, 3K 
uh, for the Sharks. For super cheap guys, I wrote up Justin Schultz just because of how bad the Ottawa penalty kill has been. Like Schultz feels like a guy, all he needs is an assist, a couple shots, boom, you're at value. Uh, or good or not value, I guess. So I don't mind uh, Justin Schultz. Uh, Jordan Harris, 2,500. I missed the boat on him in Montreal's last game. He has some really good um, offensive uh, underlying numbers, let's say. He might not play a lot of minutes, but he's also only 2,500, so I don't mind him for the stone bin punt. Uh, And Troy Stetcher from Arizona. They really have been spreading out the ice time a little bit, and Stetcher's still really cheap at 2,700 in what should be a fast-paced matchup. Uh, for the Coyotes here tonight. Yeah. Missed most of that. I'll have to go back and watch to see if you like in the mid-range. But let's talk a little bit about goalies <clears throat> as my voice has uh, started to give up on me. At the top of the list, we have Igor Shesterkin at 8,500, Connor Hellebuck 8,400. I think my favorite play in the top range is Jeremy Swayman at 8,200. I'm not a huge spend-up guy. I feel like Joey Decord is going to be popular whether you want to play him at 8,100 or not. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, it feels kind of chasey to me. Uh, I think Vasilevsky AK is good if he starts. Um, the two that kind of stick out to me are Sorokin and Connor Ingram. And then going down the list, again, I don't mind Markstrom again, as crazy as that sounds. And then down at the, the cheap guys, like, I don't know. There isn't, like, a cheap guy that super sticks out. Don't mind taking a stab at Ndelkovich at 7K. Yeah. Um, I wrote up Merzlikens in the picks article. Obviously, he's not starting. It's going to be Tarasov. Thing is, like, I don't even mind starting Tarasov if you want to go super cheap in net. Because Columbus should allow a lot of shots. But the Flyers' power play is absolutely ass. And I have no real... Like, you know, the Columbus penalty kill is not good either, obviously. That's one of the reasons why I wrote up Travis Konechny today. Um, the Columbus PK is really bad. But until the Flyers show me they can actually like even even be competent on the power play, like I'm not that scared of them. And if Tarasov is just going to face a bunch of even strength shots, then I'll roll the dice. Like I feel like he's fine for 7K. Uh, Connor Ingram, don't mind him for cheap as well uh, from Arizona. And I do have Jacob Markstrom. He's not like he's in that like he's not super cheap, but he's cheap enough at 75. I think it's 7500 on DK. It's all of Minnesota's injuries. I don't mind him. Uh, the two expensive goalies that I had circled were Swayman and Logan Thompson. Um, I think Thompson might end up seeing a fair amount of volume, uh, con- considering, how, like you were talking about that Vegas lineup, not looking the best. I think he might see some volume at home here tonight. Yeah. <clears throat> another slate, another slate where goalies suck. I will bang on that drum. Be looking for your hat trick pick. I wrote him up in the picks article. I, I feel like I-, I hate that I feel like I'm talking myself into them. But it's going to be hard to avoid Tampa Bay to here tonight. So I'm going to go with uh, Steven the Hammer Stamkos. I said no love for Saros. If he does start, I do like him. Um, even if it's Lankinen, I don't mind Lankinen. Yeah, uh, I, ha- I have him as my number three of the expensive goalies. But the thing is, is once I get to like my number three expensive goalie, like I, I just never play them. I, I should have mentioned them. But yeah, I don't mind him. Yep. I'm going to go uh, Alex Tuck. All right. I like it. <laughs> hey, man, I, Buffalo, Montreal usually put on a pretty good show. I'm looking forward to watching that game tonight. Yeah. Um, oh, Saros has confirmed. I didn't see the confirmation. But, yeah, don't mind Saros here tonight. We will be back Saturday because there is one and a half games tomorrow or whatever it is. 
Uh, I think there's a big slate on Saturday. So we will see you then. Thank you guys again for the support. Uh, you can go through that affiliate link like we mentioned. Smash that like button on the way out. If you uh, have any questions or in the Discord, hit me up. We're always in there. You know how it goes. Good luck tonight, everybody. Good luck tonight, everyone.